you are listening to The Janine Garner Show. Janine is a leading expert on leadership and driving influence through networking and collaboration, passionate about bringing brilliant people together to achieve remarkable results. Join Janine Garner as she shares insights, interviews and conversations, and let's together make the remarkable happen. Welcome to the latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance. I'm your host, Janine Garner, and it's an absolute pleasure to have with me here today, Yasmin London. Now, Yasmin has spent over 10 years in the New South Wales Police Force. She is also now the Executive Director of an organisation called YSAFE. Um, It's one of the lead organisations in Australia, offering education and strategies for managing cyber safety in schools. Um, Having operated at the coalface, dealing with real-life consequences of online abuse experienced by young people, Yasmin felt impassioned about the need for preventative action in cyber safety in order to minimise the need for critical uh, intervention. She's got a huge amount of experience in this space, having worked um, in the background around the technology, technology terrain around youth in crisis, Uh, She regularly advises and consults to government, to schools, to parents and youth advocacy agencies. And she's also the co-founder of a company called Realize, which is a non-for-profit anti-bullying and mental health promotion charity that's all about helping young people use technology and how they use it properly to make sure it's improving their well-being and resilience. Welcome to the show, Yasmin. It's an absolute joy to have you here today. Thank you for having me. That was quite an introduction when you actually hear all of that sort of stuff back. It's um, it's interesting. It's weird, isn't it? And you go, oh, wow, yes, I've, I've done all that stuff. Yeah. I, I was lucky enough to hear you speak at a mutual friend of ours event, Christina Guadotti's leading uh, women event that I think she held in Sydney is where I first met you. Yeah, and I was um, really inspired by the work that you do in the police force and then how that's actually now manifested itself into the work that you're, you're now doing in terms of giving back and trying to um, improve the lives of children and technology and cyber safety. So um, hence why I'm so excited to, to have you on the show. But let's go back right to the beginning if we can. Um, can you remember, did you always want to be a, in the police force when you were growing up? Not really. I, I remember really wanting to be, well, at first I wanted to be Madonna when I was younger. That was Didn't we all? <laughs> you know, but um, I suppose when I went through school and I went out into like uni, I actually wanted to be a journalist and, you know, sort of report on stories. I kind of liked presenting and I liked public speaking and I thought that would be sort of a, a natural fit for me. Um, But I had an experience uh, right at the end of my course where I was, I suppose, unfortunate to see a really bad car accident um, occur in front of me. I saw a young girl get um, hit by a car in George Street and I had this sort of, um, I suppose, moment where I realised that as a journalist it would be my job to report on that situation but you know I really wanted to go and help this girl and really I suppose get involved on on that sort of ground level so I I did a lot of thinking after that moment I traveled overseas and I actually met a a woman who worked for the Canadian Mounted Police when I was traveling through Canada and that sort of set me on my path to thinking about the police as a career option Um, so when I got back I applied and, and got in not too long after that so how long have you been in the police force now? 
Oh, it'd be coming up to about 12 years now, yeah. which is quite crazy. I don't really know where that time has gone. Um, you know, I don't really feel that much older than when I joined at 23 or whatever I was, 24. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, there's been some good experiences along the way. And I'm imagining 12 years ago, the amount of women in the police force probably wasn't as large as it is now. Is, is that right to assume that? 12 years ago, it would have been less, but we're still working on getting more women in the job. I think, you know, I went to an International Women's Day breakfast a couple of weeks ago where they sort of started talking about some of the statistics. And I think they said that there was only about 27% of the, of the force were female. Uh, out of the 128 superintendents uh, that are across the New South Wales Police Force, there was only 11 females. So we've got some work to do. Mm. And what is it that that you enjoy about the work that you do or the last 12 years? What's, what do you think you've learnt from the work that you've done? Uh, look, I think I really enjoy the variety. Uh, I've worked, you know, I've done a lot of different roles in the police. I've worked as a, you know, I've worked undercover. I've worked in our proactive crime unit. I've worked in the media unit. But most of the work that I've done has been sort of, it's revolved around young people and empowering them to have positive experiences. So I've worked in schools mostly for the last sort of six or seven years in particular. Uh, and I really enjoy that interaction with young people and I suppose having some kind of influence on their perception of police and also how to help them, you know, stay, not only stay safe, but to have really positive experiences as they grow up. So how did you end up doing what you're doing now with Why Safe? Where did that all come from? Uh, look, I had a couple of uh, pretty unique experiences uh, back in, I think it was 2012. I had a really serious situation where I had to, well, I came across a young girl who was uh, about to self-harm, about to jump off a cliff face over an Instagram photograph. Um, which really sort of brought my attention to the power of social media and I suppose its influence on our young people that it could, you know, bring a person um, to that state where she really wasn't sure whether her life was worth more than what people called her and um, talked to her about on, online. So that was a real eye-opener for me and quite distressing. Um, but not long after that, I actually had, a, I suppose, a more positive experience. Part of my job as a, a youth liaison officer was to... I go down and, and engage with the community in various ways. And I was at an event in Martin Place in the city. And I had a bit of a dance off with an older gentleman. Uh, at that time, there was a, a DJ playing at this particular event. And uh, what I didn't realise at the time was that there were people that were filming me on their phones. And the result of that was a viral video that started to do the rounds, not only around Australia, but around the world. Uh, where I was coined Australia's dancing cop. <laughs> and this particular video, the one that went on Facebook, um, it reached about 6.6 .6 million views. Wow. Really crazy. Um, I ended up on Sunrise talking to, you know, Koshi about my signature dance moves, uh, which is hilarious. That's a samurai. My samurai is my signature move. Um, but yeah, it was just like a, a reality check that I suppose uh, in conjunction with that sort of negative experience, what can even happen to an adult, a police officer, um, that we could be vulnerable to what happens uh, online and some things that are out of our control. Uh, mm. It sort of set me on this path of wanting to know how to manage it better. 
I'm giggling. I'm giggling away because I did actually show my kids that YouTube clip last week, and uh, it's pretty easy to find. You just do dancing police person or dancing police woman, I think, or dancing cop, and there you are. How did it? How did it feel for you when I, I'm? I'm sure now you've come to terms with it, but in those uh, initial couple of days when it started going viral, and you had no idea who was watching it what people thought about it, the commentary. I'm not sure if it was all good commentary, if you got bad commentary. You know, how, how did it affect you? Well, look, I think it was a real reality check for me because I just didn't really think too much about, you know, having a dance with this guy and who could be watching. Um, so I suppose, you know, I was a bit worried. I'd known that there were some police that in previous years had, um, they danced the Macarena at a football stadium and they had nearly lost their jobs. So I was a bit concerned about what the repercussions might be, but I suppose the difference between my experience and their experience is that I was there to engage with the community, which I guess I did quite well that day. Uh, but, uh, you know, and they were there to do, you know, patrolling and things like that. But I was concerned about my job. I was concerned about, you know, um, being publicly recognised, which is still happens, you know, from people that have seen the video, you wouldn't believe it, but still recognise me from it. Um, my personal information getting out there and then there was a bit of trolling. The majority of people um, thought that it was really positive. Um, it came at a good time for the police in terms of, you know, showing that we have a personality. Um, but also, you know, there was always the people that like to take you down and like to criticise and you've got to have a pretty thick skin sometimes to deal with some of the comments that come your way. Mm, mm, I can imagine. And I'm, I'm imagining because you've experienced that it's uh, put you in a position to talk openly with, with kids about how to manage that yeah. type of exposure. What yeah. advice do you give to people around the, the trolling if it happens? Look, it's inevitable sometimes that if you're going to participate in this world that you're going to come across people who don't like you, even if they don't know you. So it's imperative to sort of, you know, have a bit of a thick skin to be able to step away if you feel that it's becoming too much. Mm. Um, making sure that we know not to respond to people like that because, you know, all the research suggests that trolling is really just about um, getting a reaction out of someone generally. So, you know, if you're giving that reaction, it's going to exacerbate the situation. It's going to continue on. Um, you could get yourself in trouble uh, by saying things, you know, in an emotional state. Uh, so it's really important not to do that. Uh, and I suppose just having some basic skills and knowledge around blocking people and how to report, you know, inappropriate behaviour or cyberbullying behaviour as well. Um, we really do need to start educating people that they have, um, you know, they have options if that's happening to them. Mm, mm, that's great advice. Now, um, can you think of, if you if you think back through your life, I'm sure you've had in, loads of incredible uh, good and bad experiences, I'm sure, through through work and and personally. What's been one of the, or who's been one of the most influential people in your life, and why? Oh, that's really hard question mm -hmm. because there's a lot of people that have been influential. Um, look, I grew up in a family of women, and when I say that, I say that, um, and you know, have to explain that we have not had a boy born into our family in about four or four or five generations. So the women in my life, my mum, my grandmother, um, my sister, my wife, even, you know, my poor dad's got like no men around him. 
you know, those sorts of people have been really empowering for me. They've always pushed me to sort of achieve um, my, my dreams and to chase what I want. Um, I've had some great teachers. I've had an amazing uh, swimming coach when I, was, uh, when I went through um, high school, for, I suppose, up until my 19th birthday. I was um, an elite swimmer, so I swam for Australia for many years and his influence was, was really important. And he taught me the lessons around discipline and resilience and, you know, coming back from failure, which is inevitable. So it's really hard to pick one person. I think it's really that collective team and tribe around you that sort of pick you up when you're down and, and help push you forward. Mm, yeah, I think you're right. And I think everybody makes up the various facets of who we become. And it's the little bits that we take from each other, from all of those people that come into our world for some reason that make us who we are. Now you touched there about, I think it was your swimming coach, um, helping you uh, become resilient and how to pick yourself up from failure. Do you have um, an example of a, almost like a favorite failure that in hindsight now you go, that absolutely set me up? for success or for what I'm doing now? I've had plenty of failures. If we're, you know, just even to reference my swimming career, um, if I think of the biggest failure in my eyes, I I missed the Sydney Olympic team by 0.2 of a second. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Yeah, that was a hard one. And in that particular, that race, you know, I'd, I'd trained for four years for it and I was a backstroker and I slipped off the blocks at the beginning of, of that race and, you know, it sort of it doomed me uh, for lack of a better reason for the rest of it. And, um, you know, that was really hard to get through. But one of the things that he did say to me was uh, that it's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog. Um, and that is something that's always stuck with me, uh, that you can overcome things. And, you know, if you could un- overcome a failure like that or a disappointment like that, then you can really overcome anything. Um, so that stuck with me, um, you know, and it's, and it's helped me sort of manage failures throughout the rest of my life as well because I knew that, it, you know, um, I could do it. Mm. When we... Um when we talk about this concept of unleashing brilliance, um, what, what does that mean to you? What sort of, uh, what's your definition of that? Unleashing brilliance, I suppose, is removing the shackles um, and letting yourself shine. I think it's believing in yourself. I think everybody has amazing talents and skills and things that they're capable of, but their mindset often holds them back. Um, so I suppose it's, it's finding ways to, to lose whatever your restrictions on yourself are and, and, you know, letting yourself um, stand into that spotlight and, you know, chase the things that you want to do, um, you know, know what you're good at and pursue those sorts of things. Uh, to me, that's what unleashing brilliance really means. Mm. And it's not always easy though, is it? I don't think I often talk to, I've talked to so many people about this and it's, it's one of those things that very few people are born of in terms of having the born with in terms of having the courage and the confidence to remove those shackles and stand out and shine. Um, are you one of those people or are you one of those people where you've had to work on it and you've had to dig deep to actually do what it is that you love to do? Yeah, I think um, I think I've been one of those people that's had to work on it. It's um, it's it, very few people are, are you know naturally able to just sort of own who they are and and be who they are. And I think I've you know I've become better at that as I've got older and got a little bit more maturity. Uh, and you know I suppose stopped caring as much about what people think. You know I think there's always out there, mm-hmm. uh, but you really do need to believe in yourself to make things happen. 
um, you know, I know that, uh, yeah, it, it can be it can be a difficult thing to do. There's been people in my life before, people that I know have said sort of things behind my back or to my face that haven't been true and I've had to sort of wash that off and just keep going. Um, but it is difficult to do and it's something that you learn uh, through practice and habits. Mm. And so now as a, uh, a specialist in this sort of law enforcement cyber safety space, um, what is it about your work that gets you out of bed in the morning that you're loving? Uh, what's the impact that you're wanting to make with the work that you're doing? Oh, look, I really enjoy um, just getting out there and helping people that are in really difficult situations. Um, I really enjoy empowering young people. You know, I think there's, you know, obviously a big push towards um, female equality or, you know, equality for women. Um, so I'm particularly passionate about making sure that girls feel that they have the skills and knowledge to go head to head with any boy out there. Um, I really enjoy that. Uh, I like the variety. I like being able to help teachers manage the space in a classroom. I like, you know, being a parent myself. I like helping parents understand the issues that their kids are going through and how to manage that better. Um, you know, I suppose one of the, the key drivers for me in this space was, was having two daughters and wanting as a parent to know exactly what I needed to do to help them thrive in this space. Um, so there's, there's, a, there's a really, there's a lot of different things that I really enjoy about it. Um, I like, you know, working with, I've got two business partners over in Perth that are fantastic, smart, amazing women and I really enjoy the conversations that we have and the plans that we have to uh, take Safe, I suppose, uh, not we're national now, but globally, you know, it's really exciting to collaborate with them as well. You said something there about thriving in this space and, and uh, the work that you're doing, um, having children, how you're going to help, your, your, your passion to help them thrive in this space. Um, what, what's, what is it that you love? What are the benefits? What is it that you see as being huge opportunity in this space of, of technology? And then I suppose on the flip side, what do you see as the areas that we need to just probably be a little bit more grown up about and aware of? I think uh, technology is a really, uh, I suppose, exciting thing. And there's a lot of, lot of people that want to be very negative about it. We, we come from a really positive uh, mindset and ethos when we talk about technology. It's you know, it evolves really rapidly, but, you know, we're living in an age where anything is possible and that's really exciting. There's lots of ways that we can utilise it to leverage our personal brands, um, to position ourselves in into jobs that, you know, are our dream job. Um, you know, we've got people that are finding love online. We've got people you know, earning degrees from their living rooms in their journeys with a glass of wine. It's amazing. Uh, but there are some risks associated with that. There are people just like in real life that... Um, I suppose, want to do the wrong thing by you, want to take you down, want to criticise. So it's it's hard to deal with those issues. And I suppose a real key thing that, that I'm really looking at in the future is how we're managing technology for our wellbeing. Mm. I think that, you know, we're really being sucked down the rabbit hole now with um, persuasive technology and software that is really kind of manipulating our vulnerabilities as human beings. Uh, and how we manage that in a more in a more healthy way, so that technology really benefits our well-being rather than detracts detracts from it. 
I am sure there are many people listening to this right now, nodding their heads, and they're going to be asking me. I can t- I can feel it. Okay, Yasmin, tell us how because we're we're feeling it. Um, how do we, as grown-ups, use technology for our own well-being? But equally, for those out there that have children in their world, they may be grandparents, aunts, uncles, they may be parents. Um, you know, what, what advice do you have to make sure that it is a collaborative effort versus a them versus us effort? Yeah, it's so hard, isn't it? it look, yeah. The key is balance. Um, and I wish I had a better silver bullet solution for you, but it really is about having that sort of balance between not demonizing technology but not sort of you know tipping the scales too much in the other direction so when it comes to young people we we as adults really need to show that we empathize and understand the importance of technology in their lives research shows that if you know if if our reaction as parents when something goes wrong um, on our kids' social media or whatever they like to be doing, if, if our reaction is that we take that device away or we demonise that technology or say it's bad and you're never going on it again, they will not come to us for help. So we need to make sure that we're communicating that we understand, you know, that things can go wrong, uh, but but that, you know, the, the response from parents and advocates is not that, you know, we're going to take it all away. So I suppose removing that barrier to begin with, Mm. Uh, having an understanding about where to go for help if something happens with your child. So places like the Office of the eSafety Commissioner are really fantastic resources for parents to do some self-education around what to do. Um, Familiarising yourself with the sorts of platforms that they like using or games. Uh, maybe spending five minutes at the end of the day where, you know, you, your son might say, but I just need five more minutes to save the level on Fortnite, mum. Sit with them for that time. Ask them about who they're speaking to. Make sure they're not talking to strangers. Um, and I suppose, you know, learn learn what it is that they actually really like about it. Uh, when it comes to adult use of technology, I think we need to be more conscious and mindful in the way that we're using it, making sure that we control the device rather than the device controlling us. Having an awareness around how, um, I suppose, you know, persuasive technology does affect us as human beings. Um, there's psychological principles like colour uh, when we're using devices, why notification bubbles are red. Um, as human beings, we interpret red as an emergency, so we can't look away. Um, so I suppose it's around equipping yourself with knowledge around how you might actually be utilising technology and how you might be able to do it better. Um, there's a lot of information that I could say, but I suppose I'll, I'll stop it there. Um, you have to come along to one of our parent sessions. And I, can- I will do. Make sure. So how do we find out about those? Where do we find them? Oh, look, you can, um, there are a lot of schools around the country that, um, that run our sessions. We're actually running them uh, in corporate organisations now because we're finding that parents do find it difficult to get to that six o'clock, uh, you know, session in the evening at, at school. So you can go to our website, which is www.ysafe.com.au. That's letter Y, S-A-F-E. Um, you can email me. I'll give you my details. You can pop it on the podcast. Um, but, yeah, look, there's a variety of different ways. We have a Facebook page. Uh, but, yeah, we, we do it in a variety of different ways these days. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Now, um, who who is Yasmin when she's not actually at work or <laughs> building Save? Talk to me about you. Who are you? 
I'm always at work. Um, <laughs> you never sweep me <laughs> Who am I? Uh, look, I'm a, I'm a lover of champagne. Yes. Um, I'm a lover of a hit class. I'm a lover of travel. Uh, I love spending time with my, my girls, my wife and my kids. Um, you know, I'm passionate about equality. I'm passionate about, you know, making sure that women are given the same opportunities that men are given. Um, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a lot of different things. I, it's hard to, to put into one sentence, I suppose. It is, but it's so nice to hear that you, you do have that life outside of, of work and the police. Is there a new habit that, that you've adopted in the last five years that has really improved who you are and who you're being? You know, we can get in such a habit of doing the same thing all the time and changing habits is hard. I know a lot of people that I work with, uh, particularly in organisations, I had an email this morning and her message was, I finally got to bed at 9.30. So her habit is about trying to get more sleep. But is there anything that uh, that you've adopted in the last five years that, that is helping you? Oh, look, that, that self-care piece is a really big one. And I think I, I personally never really paid much attention to that until I became a mum and someone said you can't you know give 100% to your kids without sort of filling your own bucket first and mm. that was something I to be honest I always used to dismiss so I used to think oh yeah whatever mm. but it is something that I've learned I, I actually can't you know give everything to everyone else without you know filling my my bucket first so self-care maintaining my energy levels running you know why safe and being in the police and being a mum and you know having some kind of a life is you know can be quite exhausting I still haven't really nailed that going to bed early and getting the full sort of 10 hour sleep yet but I try um I definitely know it's a really good idea for me to get into sunshine every day and um, not sort of sit the day away behind a computer. I exercise. I'm not very good at drinking enough water during the day, but I try. Mm. Um, and I do, I listen to a lot of music, try to sort of motivate myself that way. I suppose it's just having a bit of a self-reflection on what makes your day uh, good for you and making sure you take the time to do those things. Do you have a favourite song at the moment? Oh, that's such a hard one. <laughs> you know what? I actually like listening to kind of like old vocal house. I was listening to Chicane on the way. Oh, brilliant. And I love that song. It takes me back to the days where I used to, you know, dance on the podiums at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Live pre-children. Well, I'm say. <laughs> I'm really that moment, but I don't think it'll be the same. No, no, we occasionally try and then you go, no, 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 I need to leave. This yeah, totally. is not the right place for me anymore. <laughs> what, thinking about how old are your girls? Uh, I have a five-year-old, Valentina, and I have a two-and-a-half-year-old uh, called Allegra who thinks she's 15. Oh, gorgeous. What's your wish for them for the future? What do you, what would you like to see the world looking more like in the next sort of 10, 15 years? Oh, look, I would like to see a world where they can um, do whatever they want to do, that they're supported by whether it's their husbands or wives uh, to do whatever it is that they, that they choose to do and that they're supported and that they feel strong enough to chase whatever that dream is. So I suppose my dream for them is that they grow up resilient, um, self-believers, um, you know, I'm not worried about them. I, I don't want them to worry about what they look like or what their perception, other people's perceptions of them are. I want them to have high self-esteem and conviction in who they are as people. Mm. 
I got asked this question um, at dinner the other night, and I'm going to ask you. I got asked if if this was your last uh, moment on Earth, and you know you could be heading off to Mars or populating another planet, not necessarily, you know, heading somewhere else. What would be the three pieces of wisdom you'd like to leave behind? Oh, goodness. Um, that good comes from being good to people. I think that that's a really important one that we, you know, we need to make sure that we're a bit more kind um, and giving to each other. Uh, that your health is your wealth. I've learned that um, one of our, our friends, I suppose, uh, Michelle Sutherland, I know you know her very well, she taught me about your health being your wealth. And I've heard that before, but she says it with such conviction, it really made me think about it. So um, making sure that you look after yourself and look after the planet. If we're going off to Mars, maybe we're not going to worry about it so much, but you know, we need to make sure that we are doing what we can now for future generations to have um, not just their health, but, you know, the health of the planet as well to live those good lives. Yasmin, I'm, I'm just so happy that there are people like you out there talking to our children and us as, as adults about how to thrive in a digital world. Because like you, I think it's exciting, the potential and possibility mm-hmm. of technology um, as long as we remain in control versus it controlling us. So um, thank you for everything that you do for all those kids and parents out there. Um, Some awesome stuff in what you've shared. I loved the advice. I think it was your swimming coach. It's not the size of the dog in the fight, but the fight in the dog. Um, Just such wonderful, simple wisdom in that. Um, And again, I think, you know, every single one of us, Um, has moments in our life where we feel like we're at rock bottom. Um, I often say life isn't all unicorns and rainbows as much as we wish it were, but it's in those, in those dips, in those moments where you're in a massive funk and you can't see a way out that you've got to dig deep and find that hunger and that resilience. And um, I think everybody, everybody needs to, needs to actually understand that it's in them. Um, It's absolutely in them. Um, Your comment about removing the shackles um, and letting ourselves shine as being uh, summing up for you what Unleashing Brilliance is about. And yes, couldn't agree more. I think uh, brilliance is in absolutely everybody. And yet we all seem to put these limiting beliefs um, on ourselves that stop us from becoming who it is that we're supposed to be. And imagine how awesome the world would be if we could all just be who who we're supposed to be. And um, the other thing that came through quite a lot, I think in your work, really, in the 12 years that you've been in the police force and the work that you're doing now is this constant hunger and equipping yourself with knowledge. And it certainly comes across in the advice and the insight that you shared during this podcast. So thank you so much for gifting us your time today. I have one last question. Um, You know, we're often asked uh, what it is that we want to do uh, when we grow up. Um, My question for you is um, what does Yasmin want to be remembered for? What do I want to be remembered for? Um, you know, that question reminds me of that quote from Maya Angelou, Angelou which is, um, people don't remember what you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel. Mm. And I suppose for me, I want to be remembered for making people feel empowered and that they count. Um, and that for me, I suppose that I spark some kind of self-belief belief in them that help them, you know, go along their journey to whatever it is that they want to do. Um, that's what I'd like to be remembered by or for. 
<laughs> fabulous. It's not what people do. It's how you make them feel. I love it, Yasmin. Thank you so much for your time today. And uh, absolutely send us your contact details. We'll put them out with the podcast. I'm sure you'll be getting lots of inquiries of people tapping into your wisdom. Thanks so much, Yasmin. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. It is mine. Thank you so much for having me. We hope you enjoyed listening to The Janine Garner Show. To follow her blog, purchase her books, or find out more, visit her website, janinegarner.com.au. Brilliant people, extraordinary results.